Welcome to the Andrew Curtis Show and now part three of the self-authoring program with special guest Josh Story. Hello, welcome to the finale of our trilogy here today. <laughs> finale? We're going to do one more after this. What are you talking about? Oh, really? We're still going to do the, uh, what's the, the one that we haven't done? This is the, 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 f the false one. Okay. And then there's the, the last, last one. Okay, good. Yeah. So it's not like a remake because we made so much money in the first few, they're just going to, oh, you know, we're just going to milk money. It. No, we're going to milk the money. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. This I mean, fourth one, people are like, oh, another one. I mean, the first one was good, but I mean, it's like it's a lethal weapon of personal development podcasts. <laughs> like, I'm Jack Sparrow in Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> and there's been a lot, and we're still interested. <laughs> if they're still buying tickets and merch, then do we really <laughs> Merch, that's what we need. <laughs> We don't have merch. <laughs> I mean, the earlier you've got merch, the earlier you've made it. Well, this is exactly That's, right. If anything, Johnny Shannon has taught me. <laughs> Shout out to <laughs> Gamify.com for all of your digital marketing needs. Yeah. Oh, man, I love starting with a tangent. That's amazing. Um, so, the purpose for this one, if, if you're wondering, by the way, uh, if this sounds a little different, it's because it does. Um, we're trying a new location today, uh, thanks to the crate uh, in Constellation Drive in Albany for uh, giving us a, a room to record this one in. Um, and thank you for the inventor of travel mugs um, to make sure that when Josh knocked that over just now, he didn't baptize the entire table. <laughs> really pleased about that. Um, but for this, this time around, we're three parts in, well, three parts that I want to cover up till now anyway, into the self-authoring program. Um, I suppose before I get into the specifics of it, what are your thoughts on it up until this point as well? How has it shaped or challenged or encouraged or what's been the effect on you, Mr. Story? Um, well, I really like to reflect as a general rule. It's like a hobby of mine. And uh, it gives you a bit of guidance to reflect without yeah. going too far off on tangent with yourself, mm. which is a, that's a, that can be a spiral. You yeah, know? true. So anything that helps to structure thought and then I get to put on the mm, the brain power of you know Jordan B Peterson <laughs> yeah. and look at my thoughts in the way that he does. Hey, mm. I'm into that. I'll try it out. How did you find? That's a good point. That that thought of too, how you can fall into a spiral. This kind of stuff as well. So, how have you found that you've uh, you know avoided that happening? Um, well, just in general, my in general, my life's been very full right now. So I I really haven't had time to to, <laughs> to over reflect. True. It's a good point, actually. That, yeah, I think for people like you and I, if you're left alone with your thoughts for too long, like, mm. yeah, I need I need bites of time to be able to do that. But mm. I definitely experience when it goes a bit too far, and then you end up in the abyss. Yeah, totally. And it can be, and I try not to be selfish about it because sometimes I feel like it's like, okay, okay, I've spent half a day alone, right, and that felt really good. But now I'm mm. gonna get out, mm. and it's like friends, friends, <laughs> and then they're like, you just want to hang out with me when you want to hang out with me, and like. But does it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, still processing that. Yeah, I actually it came up in my um, flaws, faults, whatever faults mm. one um, we we're going through for this week as well. Because I think that understanding of introverts and extroverts, mm -hmm. there's a saying that says a little knowledge is a dangerous thing, and I think there's a introverts and extroverts is a good example of that because I feel like it's a term that a lot of people have heard but it also tends to put you in one camp or the other mm. and I've never been comfortable completely associating with mm. one or the other I agree 
And when I was going through my, my faults as well, I guess I'll get into more detail about it later on, but one of the things that I realized was that on the one hand, like I'm super comfortable, you can put me on a stage in front of hundreds of people and I'm fine. Or once I'm in a situation where, you know, I, I at least know people a little bit, then I can be super sociable. But at the same time, if I'm, I'm in a new situation, I'm quite happily not talk to anybody and that's fine and I'll, you know, blend in and out and that's cool too. So you go, well, what do you do with that? Am I an extrovert or an introvert or what? Yeah, I agree. It's an it's overly simplified sort of yeah. idea. Mm. It's, a, it's, not reflex, it's not flexible enough for real, real no. people. No. And if you're not the kind of person who... I feel like there's a lot of shoulds that come out when you look at this kind of stuff. Like that was what one, one thing that this program's helped me reflect on as well. And that thought that you should be able to be the kind of person who goes into those situations and just be like, hey, how you going now? Meet this new person I do with you before. Tell me about your life. And I'm just like, I, for a start, don't like small talk enough to want to do that with people. Totally. Although interestingly, like I don't know why, but I find that like I'm the biggest, I'm a huge introvert, I feel. Hmm. But... If I honestly, 99% of the people I've ever met, mm. I started it. Really? I, I approached them and said, hey, I'm Josh. Huh. And like, I'm like, when does anyone else do it? Like, that would be nice. <laughs> it never happens to me. No one just walks up to me and says, like, hey, hey, let's have a conversation. And mm. but I think that's, a, that's another good point, though. I've thought about how we spend a lot of time waiting for somebody else to initiate something. Like, no. even this idea, like, I mean, for those of you who've listened for a little while as well, um, like both both Josh and I have a Christian faith, uh, and I have observed that within spirituality in general, the sense of waiting for a sign of some external thing first, so that then I'll go do something else, is like quite a common mindset to hold. I don't mm. know the best. Can you give me an example it. in like yeah. practical terms? Yeah. Well, um, well, that thing about meeting people, for example, mm. you could be the kind of person like, oh man, I just you know if. If I'm supposed to hang out with this person, then somebody's going to come up to me and do something or mm. something's going to happen to me and that's going to be what shows me this is the next thing to do. Mm. Whereas I've realized that actually as you go along, a lot of these other things can take care of themselves. Mm. Like, okay, well, I'm just going to make a decision to do, make this action. Yeah. And then I see other things kind of happen around that. Totally. But that belief that if I'm meant to do something, then there's going to be this sign First, mm. the universe is going to reveal something, whatever language you, dear listener, might use to describe it, but there's going to be some external sign of some sort, and that's going to show me the way, mm. as opposed to imagining or believing, as I do now, that, well, what if you have within you the power that you need to make the things that matter most to you happen? So why don't you just do something, and then you'll see the maybe the signs that you're looking for as a spin-off from that. Mm. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think it's, because I'm really interested in the cold, and I think it's it's funny how growing up it's always about being cool, but then cool is related to cold. Mm. So to be cool, a cool person is to be a cold person, really. Wow. And then to be a, you know, a warm person, what does that mm. mean? That's mm. to be an open person who's bringing people in. So mm. it's like, why, why do they teach kids to be cool mm. and not warm? Because mm. they're opposites. And what is cool? Can, and then you can also be hot-headed, though. You can be hot-headed, yeah. And then you go too far the other way. True. I just think I, I just know I've seen the coolness. Yeah. That's I a lot of like the apprehension from from approaching someone. Mm. It's like, no, I want to be cool. Mm. And by distancing yourself, literally, you're being a little bit cold. No, you're which we right. all have to be. You know, you know, we've all got limits of how much <laughs> juice we have in a day. I'm yeah. not shaming that, but um, yeah, I'm always trying great. to be more warm. 
to be a more warm person and inclusive and and initiating Mm. friendships and taking risks with your own humility. Yeah. What that actually has made me think of, particularly in the last week or two, and I think, again, a program like this brings a lot of the stuff to to mind as you're going, but that idea of um, taking action on things first and initiating and and the people that I know... Spark, yeah. Yeah, being the... um, I'm not a super practical person, mm-hmm. uh, which you know, but if you're listening to this, you might not. So let that dispel all myth. Um, I'm not super practical, but what I have done, I realized up until now, is I've, I've looked after my relationships with people so well that I, I really would struggle to think of people who I've worked with or spent any length of time with that I couldn't make eye contact with, you know, that I've left things in such a way that... Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So now I'm in a place where I'm starting something new and trying to grow something and I feel like actually there's this huge resource of people that I've got mm. that I can talk to. The hardest part for me now is actually remembering to do it. Mm. That's beautiful, man. I like the eye contact thing too. It's like, uh, that's deep. Mm. That's a very like profoundly like conscious like eye contact is something like spiritual or something mm. with another person yeah. so to, to be able to bring that in your professional relationships and keep that mm. I think is rare yeah I, I don't know I, it just seemed like the most I've always loved when people can reduce something complex all the way down to something really simple mm-hmm. so like how do I know my relationships with people are good and you could come up with a lot of different metrics for doing mm. that so for me that summarized it really nicely we don't have to be the best mates in the world, but at least if I can look you in the eye, you can look me in the eye, then at least we're probably okay. <laughs> yeah. We can build from that. You know? Yeah, and there's probably something in our biology as well that supports that sort of thing yeah. of like, there's a feeling of like, for your enemy, there's going to be something deep, you know, in, mm. that, in that look that they give you. Mm. Well, I also realized that I... Well, I often catch myself because I don't like falling into just trite kind of answers Mm. or or statements. Um, Realizing how true it is that I can't control other people Mm. or how they respond or Mm. what they do. That's really nice. It's something that I learn on a deeper level over and over and over again. Mm. And I was having a conversation with a friend just recently and realizing that even our goals for one another, what's the best case scenario for a friend or family member of yours is that they are the truest version of themselves, that they step into who they are and what they're about and they live that as authentically as they can. How do we try and get a person to do that? We try and get them to do it by controlling them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, or changing them. Yeah, (laughs) I'm gonna change him. And and I realized the hardest thing is for me was realizing that in order for that to really happen, you've got to let go of, when you've empowered somebody else to be themselves, that themselves might not be what I thought it should have been. And that's the thing that I've got to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, like we talked a little bit before we started recording about because we're not classically um, administrative kind of people or suited to, well, I don't know, traditional work. How's that? That we could try and force ourselves to do it. Mm-hmm. But the challenge for us is more to say well that's not how I'm wired well there must be a strength to the way that I'm wired but it's going to be different mm-hmm. to what other people are looking for and can I live with the social dis- disapproval with, with this community yeah. yeah well they kick you out and say 
no, if you're not going to do these 40 hours sitting at a computer, yep. then get out. Mm. Which, that's an interesting question, man. Mm. Mm. I've noticed how many movies recently are about man and technology, like Inception. Oh, yeah, it's okay. really about the future of humanity and technology. Okay. And like, uh, if you've seen Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind yeah. with Jim Carrey, yeah. again, it's like, that's totally... Yeah, technology that's could, mm. you know, be this great force in the future for good or evil. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I've thought about it. I don't know if this is relevant at all, but it just got me curious. Like the thing about AI, right? Mm. Is that, you know what's really good about AI compared to human nature? What? Is that there's no cognitive dissonance with AI. Cognitive dissonance? What does that mean again? So cognitive dissonance is where you can kind of have two different beliefs and hold them in your head at the same time. Right. Like I believe that it's important to be generous, but I'm also kind of stingy with people. Right. Or, um, yes, you should be polite to people, but not to that person because they're a real dick. Right. Or something like that. Yeah, like you so can there's have a these, tension that you Yeah, have these beliefs that are kind of in opposite to one another. Yes. Um, well, I mean, like, again, we've been both been in faith communities for most of our lives, and one of the easiest ones is the whole, well, that person calls himself a Christian. Right. And you go, well, they've got this one set of beliefs here, but then they behave this way, and how is that possible? Right. Right? But AI can't do that, because it's literally just binary programming. Yeah. So it has to be completely authentic. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's got to be honest with you, and it's saying, for efficiency, we have decided the human the race, race must die. <laughs> must die. <laughs> 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 oh, so sponsored true. by Nike. <laughs> Just <laughs> do it. <laughs> but at least you know where you stand. You know <laughs> exactly. That's true. I mean, at least we're not being lied to. So many lies in the world. Yeah. People are angry, and then they're being lied to. Yeah. No wonder everyone's kicking off. And then they're you know lying about being angry as well, which makes them angrier. Um, oh, totally. We're emotionally bankrupt. We're a lot shot. Of people. We're shot. I've thought about this with... We're totally off topic, by the way, but I'm going to roll with it. Bring it back if you can. I, just, I don't know how. Nah, that's right. I was <laughs> thinking about, like, though, with schooling. Right. Um, a little earlier on in the week, I was thinking about with tertiary education mm. and how I feel like because of knowledge being so much more accessible now, the universities are even less necessary than they ever were. Oh, totally. Like, and more expensive than they ever were. More the expensive. Time. And the employers are forever complaining that the graduates aren't good for anything. Right. Or by the time... I mean, you think about in any industry these days, how much changes in three years. So by the time you start your degree in whatever, mm -hmm. what's the likelihood that that's still the dominant technology when you finished it three years oh, later? Totally. Almost totally. nothing. Yeah. Um, so I feel like they'll be looking for... <clears throat> ways to certify for want of a better word acknowledge the kind of learning that you can do like we've talked about this with Jordan Peterson stuff right like you can you can listen to 20 hours of lectures on psychology yeah, totally. from a <clears throat> university professor mm. have the same learning experience on the one hand as the person sitting in the room yeah but of course they can get tested in it and you can't right and I know there's such a thing as what do they call it uh, you know distance learning and that kind of stuff but mm. just because that information's so accessible now, mm -hmm. and you can learn so much of this stuff, I feel like it'll be interesting to see how they start to recognize mm. the learning that people can do. Mm. Because when you do it in a traditional environment, it's, I don't know, I find it less impactful. I totally agree. I, I see it as like the way the schooling system, for mm. ki especially for kids, you mm. know, beyond reading and writing, it's, yeah. it's, it's just daycare, really. Yeah. It's teaching them... How to be peons. How to how to show up, how to conform, how to wear a uniform. Yeah. And so it's like, because back in the day, 
Mm. You, you, you're making factory workers. Industrial that made revolution. perfect sense yeah, to yeah, put yeah. the kids in the classroom. Now we don't have factories, but no, we're holding no. on to schools as a cultural tradition, I feel. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh that's just oh, that's what we do. We're Europeans. Yeah. We're so educated. <laughs> and it's just like, but what does that even mean these days? If all you know is trivia, if you're mm. educated in trivia about this vague... Or you don't even idea. learn to enjoy learning. Yeah, totally. That's the striking thing for me is the Anything stats on people who... Tested. Yeah, people think, like, the stats on people who never read another book once they've left, I think it's either high school or university, mm. is, is staggering. Mm. It's, you know, comfortably up to 50%. I've heard as high as 80% sometimes, but I, don't, I couldn't tell you the exact um, reasons where that's true. But either way, like, you don't meet a lot of people who read regularly. Oh, yeah. And textbooks are not even written to be enjoyable. No. Like, it's almost like on purpose. They're like, this is part of the test. <laughs> Can you read this? Do you really want this? We are <laughs> like a marathon. Yeah. Almost like nights the wrath of all the guys who sat down and wrote it. When I had to spend 20 years of my life to write this. I'm going to punish every one of you with each word that I write. There you go. How do you like that? Yeah, it just feels a bit like a flaming hoop that you got to jump mm. through. But... Well, because you made me think about it when you're talking about even the skills that are most important. We talk a lot about bullying these days and things like mental health, mm. but we don't talk about any of that stuff within a schooling environment or... I mean, should we? I don't know. That's another question. How do you could think you we could? Um, great question. Um, there's an element of, in my own learning lately too, where... I'm becoming a lot more, I guess, what you'd call classically libertarian about things, yeah. where I don't like the idea of giving a huge amount of power to the state or to mm. that kind of an outside influence. Mm. Just because even if it's done in the best of intentions, you can't control what can happen with that later on. And I also think there's a bit of naivety in this idea that if I give it to you know, this kind of power to this other group they're going to act with the best of intentions or do what's best for me because mm -hmm. they're still just individuals who still have the same human condition that I do and that's what history has shown right whenever you give a huge amount of power to any group of people mm -hmm. for whatever the reasons were it blows mm -hmm. up in your face mm -hmm. so when I think about schooling and what you should learn there and what you shouldn't like that's a really interesting question I don't know what do you reckon when it comes to like the state, I, I think if the state didn't do it, corporations would, mm. and it would be worse. Interesting. I feel yeah. like it would become a, and maybe not on the surface, maybe it would look really cool yeah. if you had Coke, you know, water fountains outside and it had <laughs> Sony lecture, yeah. lecture bot AIs teaching yeah. you. I'm sure they'd love to that because they yeah. could, imp imp you know, mm. get their product in. But mm. at the end of the day, it's, you know efficiency efficiency and then it just becomes mm. another product that we consume education mm. would be a, another product that's the that's the classic question about like how far does the free market go right i've been trying to understand economics a bit more lately because i mm. realized i didn't know enough about it mm. and it's funny hearing that statement from you that mm. i know there's a counter argument from people on the other side of that that say no anything that the state touches turns to crap mm. and it's better to leave it in the hands of the free market mm. I, I feel like it's very hard to make a 100% case for either one, and I feel like that's what people tend to do. Like, oh, it's got to be all... No, you're right. It'll be a hybrid. Yes. Yeah, some... In the future, it will yeah. be a hybrid. Yeah. It'll be weird looking. I don't yeah, know totally it will. Totally it will. Because I've thought, in terms of what needs to be taught, like I've thought subjects around like communication skills and, and those sorts of things, like we've got all this anti-bullying stuff going on, but I don't think people understand that, yeah, there's bullying and that's 
bit of that's bad. I know, you know when you say something and you realize you sound like you're being super flippant and anyone who's listening to you knows that you don't really care? Just, that was how that was sounding to right, me because gotcha. I was saying it. No, no, you're very caring. <laughs> I can vouch. Hey, thanks. Um, well, then thinking about this idea of, of bullying and we've got these anti-bullying programs, but dominance behavior, even if it's not bullying, mm. air quotes, like dominance behavior, that's a part of human beings living around one another. Right. And so learning that how to communicate and how to manage that on the level of the individual mm. is way more powerful to me than trying to control it in the means of a group which says, well, okay, we have a vulnerable individual. What do we do with this person? One school of thought says, well, what we have to do is look at all the outside forces that are trying to hurt this person mm. and bang them all in the head. Mm. But you never finish that battle. Mm. Like it will never end mm. and you just end up knocking over everybody. Or the other side says, okay, well, then you look up, how do you build up the individual so that they can confront that and deal with it? Which I feel like is the better way to go, but how it should look, I don't know. Totally. And it's a steep, and I, it's a steep climb for everyone, even mm. people who don't have extra problems. Yeah. I feel. Extra problems. Like a 35-year <laughs> mortgage is hard enough, but oh, then sure. if you've got bipolar disorder... Now you've got to have a 35, you know what I mean? It's like maybe that person deserves to just, you've got your battle. You just fight that battle. We'll just, and I think the big problem is shame. Like there's so much, Mm. there's too much shame put on those people. Mm. Oh, you're not working. Well, you're just a moocher off the system. You may as well. It gets really toxic really fast because people are working so hard just to survive. So of course they get pissed when (laughs) someone's doing it for free. I want to do that. Yeah. Well then... You need to pick a new job. That's what <laughs> I think. Stop doing it. There's a, a good chance humanity doesn't even need it. It's a real trap of when your your self worth is tied up in the things that you do, and it's again what speaks to me about why you need some kind of a spiritual component to your life, though, because mm. otherwise you will. I feel like you'll inevitably be reduced to the stuff that you do. Like, how do I know my life has meaning and value? And I feel like spiritual belief systems at the very least tell you that there's something about you that's transcendent that's worth more than just the stuff that you do how smart you are how good looking you are yeah. how talented you are whatever it might be yeah. that even if you had none of that your life would still have value or even if you've got all of that you're no more valuable than the next right. person right. when you don't have that mm-hmm. then what do you do you tend to compete on the level of the stuff that you can do mm-hmm. and not everybody can do the same stuff right and so then what happens like you say what if you you know, you can't, you, you're not going to be a millionaire, but you could probably do really well if you just accepted a middle income kind of career path, mm. which might sound like settling, but you got to understand if you want a $150,000 a year kind of job, mm. there's a whole bunch of extra crap that's piled into that, that if you're not skilled to do that, you'll have a heart attack and a stroke, and which is mm. what I think we're kind of seeing happening, right? Mm. So it's, we're looking at the things that we do to define who we are and then we burn ourselves out in pursuit of this thing that we've just constructed in our own head. Mm, I agree, but don't you think that the root of that toxic idea that I agree is mm. toxic is from the insecurity of living in a world where it's like, well, at the end of the day, you better pay your rent. Mm. You better go buy some food because, I mean, at any moment, if a few things, bad things happen, you lose it all. So you mm. better have a bank account that's strapped. Right. I feel like that's the message. Mm. And, no, and most people don't, so it's like they're living paycheck to paycheck. Right, right. If they didn't have that, mm. maybe none of the story would have even happened as far as this, mm. you know, the inequality. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not saying a luxurious lifestyle, but okay. Yeah. Just to know, okay, Andrew, every week you're going to get 
150 bucks oh, and right. your rent's paid. Okay. So if any if you want to if you want to get rich, you can go get rich. Mm. But it's not coming from a place of I might die. Mm. It's coming from a place of I'm ambitious. I've got these skills that I think can right, help the world. Right, right. I can build something mm. that feels good. Mm. Isn't that enough? Yeah, but that's shouldn't it be? I don't. I mean, I haven't properly thought about it. So that's why I'm just trying not to to leap into a response. I think if anything comes to mind, it's that that is sounds like the crux of the broader socialist argument anyway that would say that if we would look after people's essential well-being first and foremost mm. as opposed to individual advancement or something like that then we'd all be okay which i would agree with i just can't think of any instances in history where it's anyone's applied it where it's worked which is but when you say where it's worked i mean most civilizations get smashed militarily at the end of the day, their downfall isn't because they did; they were too greedy. The downfall was because the neighbours who had a bigger army came in and smashed everything. Yeah, possibly. That's why they failed. Well, I would challenge that though, because if you look at socialist economies, they collapse mm. from the inside every time. Like they weren't overrun. Russia, yeah, but socialists China. don't care about economies. Isn't that the point of socialism? They're saying, listen, no, it's not about economies. It's to death, about... though. Like, that's more like the, the, the death toll in terms of people not getting their basic needs met was more the problem. Like, the, the idea was let's meet everyone's basic needs, mm. and it couldn't deliver that. If you could deliver it in this other construct around it, which I don't even know what it would look like, that would be one thing. But if you can't fundamentally deliver the health and well-being for everybody that you say you want, like, like literally all had problems with starvation, which is like you would think that would be a fundamental. So if it doesn't deliver that, then you go, well... Uh, All the ones this. you've heard about, though. Well, do you yeah. know the history of Chile? No, I don't know the history of Chile. And they, they elected a, a socialist president. Okay. And everything was going fine. Mm. And then the US funded a military coup. Nixon did. Oh, sure. This is all in their museums now. Mm -hmm. And he ran a military dictatorship for... Eight years. Oh, you mean Pinochet? Yeah. Yeah, right, right, right. It was Sorry. a capitalist dictatorship. And, yeah. And so... That I think is a perfect example because I, I agree. Like I can mm. see where you're coming from. Like the idea of it seems too much to expect from people. Oh yeah, like people are just going to share. Yeah, but because you think can go the other way history. though, bro. Like if you go look on. at Venezuela, then because Venezuela had a really strong kind of democratic capitalistic system, and they brought in a socialist dictator, and now mm. the entire place is a banana republic. Well, I'm not. Yeah, but the socialist dictator isn't isn't the key to the solution. It, it's a socialist democratically elected socialist as it was in Chile. I'm not okay. talking about... I'm saying the problem here is the dictatorship part. Okay. It's not the socialist part. Really? That's okay. what I feel. Hmm. But I'm open to your... Yeah, well, that's... I, I, I'm very pragmatic about that kind of stuff. And so when I haven't seen a... You know, you talk about, I don't know how well Chile was working before that. This got really political and economic. This is really interesting. Um, <laughs> is that okay? Totally. <laughs> I do that. Yeah, so. that's great. Um, <laughs> you look at, say, you know, I don't know how Chile's background, but I do know, you know, you look at Cuba, you look at Russia, you look at China, um, Ethiopia. Mm. The, in every case there, the, the basic infrastructure has completely collapsed. And again, starvation has been a huge common thread so to me i go well that seems to be a pretty commonly occurring thing but all those countries you've just mentioned have been attacked embargoed and messed with by the usa right mm, obviously cuba yeah. obviously russia obviously china they're always in there trying to 
So why would they be destabilized by a capitalist culture, though, if they're supposed to be socialist and self-sustaining? Because at the end of the day, if, 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 if someone starts dropping bombs on you, you lose. Well, nobody was dropping bombs on China or, or Russia or... I mean, Cuba, they tried to overthrow the government, sure. Right. Um, I'm just saying force. Yeah. The vi- the, you know, violent force is the key. To what? To, to, to global domination, like to, to sovereignty. Uh-huh. I don't see why that's relevant to like social kind of government providing food. Well, I can give you like, for example, like in Chile, the reason it all happened was because Chile is the richest source of copper in the world. Uh-huh. And so copper is in your phones, it's in, yeah, it's yeah. in most electronics. It's, mm-hmm. it's, and um, so when, when the um, Allende got in and he shut it down and he said, we're not going to trade with the US anymore, mm-hmm. we don't need mm-hmm. your money. Sure. Well, they said, well, you're not playing the game by our rules. Yeah, right. Oh, I mean, they did that with Iran as well. Ethiopia and um, it was the French, right? Mm. They went in and did the exact same thing. Sure. Yeah, the the Ethiopia one though, even recently, that was this was like the the famine that they experienced in the late eighties though Mm. was a result of their own um, democratically appointed socialist government though. So that wasn't a French. No, the French thing happened like a hundred years ago. No, no, but that's what I'm saying. So like the, the the situation that had happened in Ethiopia had nothing to do with the French though. But they'd already had their land ravaged by war for... No, it was because they had a central planning for food production that completely just fell over, which is, which is what tends to be their problem. Like, it's the weird quirk of capitalism, right? Mm-hmm. That because it's motivated to get the most efficient means of production out of things, you tend to get better advancement in technology and, and those sorts of things. Mm. Whereas when that's not the goal it tends to become a lot more efficient or expensive to create the same stuff. And so you end up with less of it when that involves food, then people starve. And that's what I mean. Like, that's happened over and over and over again. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know about that. There you go. We're both learning stuff. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jordan Peterson. <laughs> How did you go with... Man, that's an awesome preamble. 30 minutes of gold. I actually wouldn't change a thing about that. I'm really happy with how that all went. Um, the So, the faults side of things, right? So, we looked at the... Um, Virtues, I think, is the word that he used. The virtues last time around. When you're going through the faults side of things, did anything in particular stand out to you there? Yeah, a big one, which this podcast has helped me out a lot with, is um, one of my big faults is losing the track of conversation. (laughs) 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 And at least, I'm not saying I'm good at it now, but what I'm saying is, is that I'm aware. (laughs) I'm talking, I'm talking, then I go... Oh, wait a sec. I should probably bring this back somehow. Right. And right. people are a lot happier. Yeah. <laughs> like, because to me, I don't care. Right. But other people do. Other people get frustrated yeah. if you're having a conversation with them. And then, oh, yeah, let's talk about that. Okay, now let's <laughs> talk about that. And then they start to get annoyed and maybe anxious. So, but when I bring it back, they oh go, God. oh, okay, yeah. that was fine. Do you think, for me, I realized that was partly because I didn't really listen to people? Like, I want to talk about stuff. But I was more exactly. talking at people. Oh, totally. Totally. Let me share. Oh, here's this other great thing that Let I know. Let me tell you what I think about that. <laughs> I know a really good story about that thing and that thing. Oh, wow. Jeez, oh, you I'm must be so that. happy that you're talking <laughs> to me. <laughs> oh, you're lucky. Oh, my God. It's so relatable on every level. Because, you know, I mean, I'm pretty special. Yeah. So talking to me. <sighs> Ooh, damn. 
Yeah, you poor, some... you poor sheep. Let me enlighten <laughs> you about the true nature of the universe and everything. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I love looking at, up at the sky and doing my night job at, at the stardom because yeah. it just... It's just forced. That's not a euphemism, by the way. He literally works at a star dome. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> star dome. Doing my night job. <laughs> Doing my night job. <laughs> yeah, that does make it sound shifty, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, more just that's because I wanted it to sound that way. So, no, you're right. And yeah. there's a lot of associations with light and dark that are fascinating. Ooh. Because the more I look at the sky, the yeah. more I actually appreciate the darkness. Really? Because the darker it is, the, the better the stars are, the right. clearer the planets are. Right. And so you start to... You know, morality starts to look a little bit more complex than just Whoa. light and dark and Whoa. good and you know good and evil. So damn son. Anyway, what was my point? Yeah, looking at the sky. So it's humi- it's mm. it's humi- it's humiliating. Yes. In the positive sense. Yeah, yeah. Which I think humbling perhaps could be a nicer way to say it. It is. The, yeah. It is a nicer way, but it, humility mm. is what that you're getting. Cool. So yeah. that's the right word. But people are afraid mm. of that word just to be humiliated. It's just right. this chest caving worst feeling yeah right but actually humility is like a holy trait i think it's a trait of god to be humble well it's one of jesus number one things like you better be humble because you you know well as you say that if i think about what makes humiliation humiliation right it's the idea that this thing that gives you essential worth has been taken away from you totally and to me spiritually You've got the antidote to that. Totally. You can't lose it. Right, exactly. That's why it's got to be spiritual. I think yeah. a lot of people with the spiritual yeah. faith, mm. it can rest in the same way. Yeah, I would agree. Because it's like, if you rest on, like, in a relationship on another person, yeah. well, unfortunately, that person's got their own problems. Yeah. That person's on their own path. Mm. You can do your best, but you can't. It's, not, it's just not a smart thing to do to well, put you all can't your work onto some other person. Right? Right? Like that, that's it's not a good. Yeah. That's the angle I've come at with this, when I was saying before, that, that I started to see that ultimately everything you do that with is you trying to control this other outside thing in such a way that you get to keep your sense of self because of it. Mm. So I've made my career amazing or my mm. health amazing or my, you know, my physical body or my totally. mental you know, ability. Or my bank account. Yeah, yeah, totally. You got it. Yeah. Um, what stood out to me in this thing as I went through it? Uh... Paid for time, Josh. Say something interesting. Go. So the other day I was um, at the markets and I saw this huge dog and it looked like a bear. I love where this is going. Already. It was okay. the size of a bear. Okay. And um, a bear dog, you might say. And I went to pet it and it was very soft. Is that enough petting? <laughs> nice. <laughs> If somebody doesn't give us a radio show after this episode, then there is no justice in this life. Um, okay, so, well, this is the thing. When I went through... So what you do with this program, by the way, if you're wondering and listening, still listening, please still be listening, that you go through a broad base of potential faults that you might have, and they're all grounded in psychological traits that you might have, and then you end up picking a top five, ten... Hopefully not more than that, otherwise you'd overwhelm yourself, I would think. And so one of the things that I became more aware of as I went through this, which I'd forgotten about until I looked at it now, but we've already talked about a lot of the stuff, is this idea of comparison. Mm-hmm. And that fundamentally, in terms of either comparing myself unfavorably to other people or being too conscious on yourself, mm-hmm. those would be probably the two top things mm-hmm. that I think limit stuff that I do. Yeah, I put the same. I picked one, the same one. Oh, yeah. 
too self-conscious for my own good. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And I like, I try to be a little bit harder on myself, not to, you know, not sadistically, but <laughs> I just want to say like, I'm like self-absorbed is yeah, the word good. I use yeah, because it, it kind of sums it up because it, it mm. is, it's like, okay, I could go and give this out mm. and now I'm just going to yeah. keep it. And it's like, you know, you got to share, share, share it around. Yeah. Share everything around. Share everything you got. Mm. Spread it around. <laughs> Grow something. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Contribute. Yeah. Yeah. Like give and know that in the morning, if you deplete your energy in the morning, you'll have more. Mm. So that faith of like mm. every breath you take, you don't wonder if it's there. It's like, it's just there. True. And you have to have that faith. True. Yeah. Otherwise you'll be freaked out. But then why can't you have, have as much faith about the food you eat? You can't just know that, well, at the end of the day, mm. I'll eat. Something will happen. I have faith. Mm. This world is full of food. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> and full of people that are friendly. That and like you say, asking. Yeah, you know, I can ask. I yeah. can humiliate myself. Wow. If I have to, mm. not ideally, but mm. I can go and ask for food. Well, the, and the thing though too that what can hold us back, or what's held me back from asking in the past, is and what's helped me overcome it is that realization that. I think if I ask, it's going to come across in a certain way. Mm. But actually, I've found that people that I ask really appreciate the chance to help. Mm. Totally. That, Especially if it's practical and physical, like yeah. actually doing something. And, and specific human. too. I, I will say that. Uh, like I, I realize that when you say something like this, right? How many conversations have you either had or even been the person saying this where you say, oh, I don't really like where my life's going. Mm. Like if I'm having that conversation to you, I mean, what, what's your response? You know, what can, what can another person do if you say, oh, I don't really like my work at the moment? You go, okay, like, what, what don't you like? Like, mm -hmm. is there something you'd prefer to do? Like, what, you know, I can't really help you with that. Yeah, it's true. And the moment you say, I want my work to be more creative, then I can go, ah, oh, okay, well, then I can help you with that. Or, true. like, for me, with, with, you know, the seminar that I've been putting together, like, the... <coughs> The practical stuff is not my strength. So I literally said to a friend just today, hey, can you help me with the business plan? I'm not very good at that kind of thing. And they were like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, there you go. What if I said to them, oh, man, I'm struggling with this business thing a bit. True. Like, what's, what's yeah. the person going to do? I could talk to yeah. 100 people and just say, hey, guys, I'm kind of struggling with some of this. Yeah. But until I can say I am struggling with X, nice and clear, amazingly enough, People then suddenly go, oh, that's what you need. I can help you with that. Or I know somebody else who can help you with that. Mm. So I think sometimes not being able to be clear about those things, and that is what's been helpful about this program, is it makes you clarify that. So you can go, oh, this is actually what I want. This is mm. actually what I need. And then you see the response from people is really positive. That's very true. Yeah. I like to think so. Just being specific. That's very simple, but mm. very profound. Mm. I was just thinking of an example for myself. Yeah, go for it. Um, um, just because I've had like sore, I've had like an injury around my shoulder muscles, and and I'm just meeting a lot of people that teach yoga recently, uh -huh. <laughs> like yeah. a lot. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm thinking that would be I should just ask them. Yeah, say like, can you help? Right. Instead of just going, oh, I don't think I'll come along to your yoga class because oh, I'm a bit busy, I'm a bit tired. <laughs> um, when it's like, just ask. <laughs> Or even you'd say, like, I know I would do this in the past, so I'll put myself in your shoes. And, like, if I was around somebody like that, like, I might throw out this really abstract kind of, oh, yeah, you know, I've been a bit sore lately. 
you know and then <laughs> yeah totally. like, like, kind of like you're saying as well even with the, the social aspect right like why doesn't another person come up to me and say hello all the time how do why do i have to do it it's again well you could be in that same situation like oh man my body's a bit sore i wish somebody else mm. would come up to me and whatever mm. yeah, well yeah but you've actually got like you know what's wrong you you've got the power to say hey i need help with my sore shoulder put it out there and then suddenly find through the strength of community that you've got that there's a solution that exists but until you say it you won't know that totally it's like that Gandhi quote you know be the change you want to be in the world not complain Mm. about other people not being the change you want to be in the world yeah which is very wordy but it's very like so true hitting like yeah that's because we all do that we all we all just complain we 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 spend energy on complaining Mm. Mm. when Obviously, that energy could be anywhere diverted else. anywhere else, yeah. and it was. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we talked about with the the bullying thing again a bit earlier on, but in terms of how we really help somebody, I mean, if I I was got a lot more clarity on that lately, realizing that answering the question of how you really help somebody has been a massive driver for me, because I have observed that some of the things that we try to do to help people, either don't work or can even make things worse oh yeah and then it's your fault right (laughs) and so trying to boil down what it looks like when you're doing the things that really help somebody the most profound thing that i have found is that you have to well when i say you have to the best thing you can do is help create an environment where the other person can change from the inside out themselves Mm. you can let them see their own thinking their own beliefs and help them see how their own creative power is working for them or against them so that they can change it. But if I try and go the other way around and try and control them into doing things that are better for them, the moment that my control is removed from the ecosystem, their new behavior falls over. And so I haven't really changed anyone, I've conformed them. Mm, Totally. So when I think about schools and all those sorts of things, I can look at all these external factors and go, how do I control all these external factors? Mm. But then not only can I not do that because there's too many things in the world, Mm. but the most effective thing I can do is on an individual basis, dealing with each person to say, okay, what is your thinking about yourself? What is your thinking about your ability to influence the world that you live in? Mm. If I can show you that, Mm. then you'll pick your own path. That doesn't require me. The trade-off, of course, though, is that I might not be able to control what the outcome looks like. Exactly. And you might not be able to take a, um, a cut of the profits. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, quite that cynical. Why am I trying to get a cut out of people? No, no, I mean, that, that's, that's what leads it is the purity of, of not wanting that. Oh, but sure. a lot of people will say, oh, you've got the skill. Oh, I could jump on this train. Oh, right. Like, right, oh, I wonder right. if I could just slide in there and I could uh. profit off this guy's. I feel like there's a lot of that also. So yeah, maybe. We want to help each other, you know, in yeah. a, in a dare I say it, yeah. you know, in a socialist way. <laughs> but existing yeah. in the system, sure. But, yeah. but trying to be less about, you know, you know what I think it is. Mountain. As I think about this now, then I think what makes it powerful is when it's the free choice of the individual to do it. And what we struggle with is how to help people. Again, air quotes. How do we get a person to do stuff that's in other people's best interests? And one of the hardest things to realize is that you can't effectively make other people do things in other people's best interests and it be sustainable long term. Mm. Like somebody will find a way to pervert it for their own 
mm. kind of thing. Like mm. what we want to do is have the freedom to make choices for ourselves so that I, I can also choose to help you because that's what I want to do. And the moment you come along and tell me that I have to help you, then I'll resent it and I'll fight it and I'll short the system oh, totally, and I'll totally whatever. That's very profound. I've been I've had I've seen that a few times in my life recently, for like oh, yeah. the first time in my life. Okay. Now I'm an adult. It's like, yeah, you notice when you give when you give mm. to, to someone who really needs it, mm. sometimes they'll be like, oh, great, now give me more. Right, yeah. Now you, and it's like, you're, it's expected now. Sure. It's like, well, now you sh- should support me now. Yeah. It's like, no, I was just helping you out because I could. Yes. And it's this dilemma in me of I want to, you know, quote, unquote, pour mm. myself out for people in need. Mm. But then it's amazing how... You know, the way that I think it'd work is like, if I do enough good for someone, then they're like, okay, they've, they've taken enough from, oh, I've given enough to them, uh-huh. and they'll yeah. know it. But it's actually, sometimes they'll want more. Human needs. They'll get the taste of, oh, that's nice, yeah. and helping me out for free. So I'm just going to expect it and mm. be pissed if he doesn't. Yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah. just a, it's a brand new lesson, so I don't know. No, man, it's cool. The, though. Like, I, I feel like... This is something too for for people listening as well. I think is the the core lesson in this is more just that the moment you become aware of something, then you can be open to getting an insight or mm. new thinking about it. Yeah. And so the start of it though is often that uncomfortable point, yeah. right? Like you're you're feeling this yeah. moment of discomfort, be like, oh, I spotted this thing and I don't like it. Like it it means that if I help people, sometimes I harm them, or if I try mm. and help them, people I think they'll be grateful, but they're manipulative about it and you go right. oh I don't know that doesn't feel good should uh, I even care about yeah. that is that yeah I don't know yeah so I think that the courage in it and this is the everyday courage that we all need is to have those moments and then not run away from them mm. to be like okay I'm going to sit in that discomfort until I get the answer that I need and I feel like that is actually more tying back into the spiritual as well like totally. that's where we create the grounds for those kind of insights to come from I think a lot of people are using meditation for that that's mm. like because unfortunately the Christian church has a bad reputation in general culture. Yeah, sure. So people go out, they just want a different language for yeah, right. you know, spirituality. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are getting that from meditation. Mm. Where they'll just sit, be present in the room mm. and these things you're talking about they come yeah. naturally. Yeah. It's yeah. not something you have to work for. And look that should... cry for. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I'm so yeah. passionate. I'm on fire. <laughs> <laughs> There's a backstory of that laughter. Anyway, um, totally agree. It, that actually blew me away the first time I started to see it as well because it, it spoke to the generosity of where is it that people are getting this wisdom and insight from? And it's almost like it's there to help you whether or not you subscribe to this particular ideology or not. For like, example? Well, um, when I talk about insight, right? When I just talk about an insight, I talk about the new thinking that comes to us that... that illuminates a situation that yes. suddenly something complex becomes very simple like a paradigm shift yeah, yeah right and everybody's had one yeah i don't care who you are you know you could be christian atheist muslim um whatever i don't care yeah but everybody can say yes i've had that now when i've spoken to people about insight moments as i described them just now when they have happened i've asked people and said now when you had that insight would you say that you earned it or that you received it and honestly, man, 99% of people say immediately, oh, no, I received it. Amazing. Yeah. And then I have to say, well, where did you receive it from? And we go, uh... I agree. And well, the, Greeks, the Greeks called it a muse, right? Which was right. a spirit. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah. you know, 
and uh, yeah, I think you see that throughout all, yeah. all the faiths. And so to me, I mean, that is, that is what I look at as saying, well, that, that is the God that wants to help everybody and he doesn't really care on the one, like, like on whatever level you're at, he still wants to help you. Mm-hmm. And the best way that he can help you is through revealed truth. Mm-hmm. And that will come to you as something helpful, no matter who you are and where you're at. And when I see that, suddenly I see faith is a lot more inclusive. I see it as something that is, um, I want to say winsome. Yeah. Nice word, right? That's um, true. That's true. It's, it's, it's winsome for everybody. Yeah. And it would make you walk, walk further towards and want to know more. And if then there is a deeper level of insight and revelation about the source of that truth and insight and wisdom, then it will be available to you. Mm-hmm. But I've seen that moment happen enough with people who have either no definitive faith or all variations of it. Mm. And it gives me a lot more... What? What does it give me a lot more of? I think it just makes me feel a lot better about the the way that we're made and how we're, we're helped and supported through it, that it's not just us. Which, if we go all the way back to the beginning, that idea of needing to find something in your life that's transcendent, that's greater than you, mm. it speaks to the truth of that, and I find it really encouraging. Mm. I agree. I feel the same way. Nailed it. All right, looking at... The rest of my faults. Um, <laughs> um, you know, as I, as I look through a lot of this stuff too, it comes back to some of the stuff we talked again at the very beginning. It must have been in the back of my head that was guiding this conversation because I consciously did not plan any of this. But that idea of knowing what it is that you want and just being able to be honest about it and articulate it. Even your faults that you have, as I, if I look through mine they tend to be a reflection of the times that I didn't know what I wanted. Mm. I couldn't have clearly stated what I wanted or what I wanted help with. Yeah. And therefore I either lost motivation or I lost courage mm. or behaved in a way that didn't line up with maybe my best possible self. Mm. So being able to answer that question, I find just incredibly powerful. So this, this program, if nothing else, has brought that to mind for me a lot more so that I can see it more quickly mm. i don't catch it every time still but i see it more quickly now totally yeah it's really important it's nice to have um keys for keys for locks mm. and you can see them coming see mm. them coming out mm. and the funniest thing for me is that i actually <laughs> i was laughing to myself today about this that even being prepared to ask people for help mm. like it used to take me months at a time oh, yeah totally. before i finally realized oh Oh, I probably need some help with this. Yeah. And then even, oh, I could ask someone for help with this. Yeah. And so now I think I'm down to only it taking maybe a couple of days uh, or weeks as opposed to months and years at a time before mm. I realize someone can help me. So yeah. that's progress. <laughs> that is progress. <laughs> I think, you know, a lot of us still don't have that courage to ask people for what they want. Hmm. Yeah. Too much shame, too much identity built on being an independent yeah. person. The myth of the self-made man. Yeah, exactly. It's very true. It dominates. Mm-hmm. It yeah. dominates. Yeah. Well, there's that classic story of our good friend in the White House, um, Mr. Donald J. Trump, telling the story of how he was a self-made man and he got there with only a small loan of a million dollars from his dad. <laughs> yeah. I'm like... <laughs> 
and do all you, of that. Do you see? No, you don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a million dollars, and what I'm more interested in is probably all his dad's contacts, of course. Well, right, sure. Hey, I'm, yeah. I'm whatever that guy's name was, son. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you a meeting. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I've, I've even thought about this even with my own work again to kind of connect with that thought um, that one pathway that I could take is to do a lot of mass marketing. And I have looked at doing things like social media marketing, Facebook ads, Instagram, things like that. And I probably will still do that. Yet I have realized that for where I'm at right now, and even in terms of how much budget I do or don't have to play with, that the most powerful um, messaging that I can get out there is through people that already know either who I am or broadly the kind of stuff that I'd want to do. And so being prepared to talk about that and being able to be forthright about it and say, this is who I am and this is what I do and mm. being open with people about it is way more effective. Totally. Yeah, because when you share it, it's like, um, it was the Buddha who said, <laughs> a candle does not lose flame by lighting another candle. Ooh. You know what I mean? Nice. Share it around. I like that. And I'm sure you've noticed like mm. boomerang, like... Oh yeah, you know, you throw it out and then it comes back. I tell you what's actually been really helpful was um, I've done. You've, have you done the understand myself um, assessment thing as well? The the other Jordan Peterson. Um... Are they both in the combo? No. So no, it's in a, it. okay. Oh, well, have a look for it. It's yeah, understandmyself.com. It's his um, big five model personality test thing. And from what I've learned, it's one of the most reliable in terms of it having some predictive power about because you are this, you are likely to behave like that yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Like a not, not yeah. a lot of tests have that. Totally. Um, but one of the things that it's in there that it talks about is your level of agreeableness. So how well do you get on with people? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that it says is that it, it might sound great to get along with everybody, but in terms of overall career success, people with high agreeableness tend to not do so well because they're so mindful of helping other people or things like that, that they don't always negotiate well for themselves or stand up for themselves. Right, and the system is competition. That's how it works. Yeah. There's winners and losers. Mm. Yeah. And so what I thought interesting, though, and what's been cool about my experience in the last year, was as true as that might be, because my my score came back quite high in agreeableness, and I, I did relate to some of those points about not always being clear about what I wanted or standing up for myself and that being a hard one lesson. But, massive but, big but, cannot lie, uh, <laughs> that I've also realized the value of the relationships that I've built now has actually come back to support me a lot more. Mm. That because I have looked after people and tried to add value to everybody and get on with everybody that now I have this really broad network of people who want to help me not just know who I am but want to help me because I've helped them before totally. so that's actually been kind of cool because Peterson talks a lot about how being high in agreeableness is a bit of a um, uh, weakness a weakness <laughs> yeah. yeah and in terms of career advancement and things like that and look there may well be truth that I don't want to take away completely from whatever the the findings are there but I will say for me that finding a way to make my high agreeableness work for me um, interestingly enough you know I wasn't even trying to do it from a commercial standpoint back in the day I just always felt bitter about treating people that way and it didn't always work out for me like I will say it blew up in my face sometimes you do get taken advantage of totally and so knowing what it is you want and standing for that's really important but now 
seeing that I've got this network of people who want to help me out because I've treated them well, I see the, the value of that, which has actually been really cool to discover. Mm. It's an interesting one when you talk about like taking advantage of, because do you think Jesus got taken advantage of? No. I what about think, by Judas? I think, though, he made his own choices and he let other people make theirs. Right. Like, when I think of somebody being taken advantage of, like, I can choose to help somebody. Mm-hmm. What they do after that is up to them. Mm-hmm. Like, one of my favorite stories about Jesus, actually, that, that I come back to when I think of this, is that although, according to the story of the Bible, he was born so that he'd one day give his life for everybody, mm-hmm. he gave it on his own terms when he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Because there's a point where he even says, you know, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down and I'll pick it up later on. Mm-hmm. If you look at some of the earlier stories about him, there was occasions where people wanted to come and, you know, set their hands upon him or stone him or whatever. And he was like, nah, peace out and left. Right. You know, so yeah, totally. even though he was here to give his life for other people, he was like, that doesn't mean I'm going to let you push me around. It doesn't mean I'm going right. to let you throw rocks at my head whenever you want. Like, right. no, no, there'll be a time. It's not now. See you later. Yeah. So that to me was his way of dealing with that he did good to who he wanted to do good to but he also didn't compromise himself to do that and i think that's the big difference yeah very true i appreciate that i've been thinking about that for a long time well it's very concise thank you I, I well same thing man like i i actually was encouraged to think about it because of the people that i knew who were lovely people who would always complain though that I do so much for other people? How come yeah, nobody ever helps oh, me? I never want to be that person. Yeah, it's just so pathetic. It's like, oh. well, I just realised that it's it's what happens when you give to the point of not of, of selling yourself out as well. Mm. You don't value yourself enough to say, you know, for example, if I have fifty dollars and you need some money, I don't give you all fifty mm. necessarily, mm. or something like that. You know that that I. I give or I do what I can up to the point where I am comfortable and then I stop and I don't let people compromise who I am or my own sense of myself beyond that. When you don't have that, you can try and buy people's care of you by being super, 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 super nice. But unfortunately, there are people who will take advantage of that and then it's kind of your own fault. Yeah, and I like I think take, being taken advantage of I think that the bite of that is hum- humiliation, mm. Mm. which again, I, you know, it's not all negative. No. And obviously I'm not going to go out there and be living on the street because I've mm. given away so much stuff, but mm. I don't know, I like to hold it up as an ideal. No, I think, no, but absolutely. But you don't have oh, the paradox. The tension, eh? Yeah. <laughs> tension in between being generous and yet not being too generous. <laughs> what does that mean? Okay, just be just this much. Well, I think we're drawn to, to extremes though, because then we don't have to think about it. Like, if, if anything, that might be a, a blessing in disguise of having the kind of mentality that we do, right? That I think we tend to, that's why we have a left-right political system, mm. that we tend to want to say, no, no, you should always look out for everybody and have more of a collective good approach. And other people say, no, no, you should always look to empower the individual and only reward and acknowledge or punish individual yes. action. Right. And you can't do that. Right. On either front. I mean, I remember... We had a hybrid, uh, I think. Well, I think it was Eric, Eric Weinstein mm-hmm. um, made this comment that I thought was brilliant when he talked about the left-right side of things. And he said that... See, the left has often said that, well, if we just gave everybody the same access to opportunity and, and education and things like that, then everyone would do better. And it's not true. 
like just some people are differently abled, some people are differently skilled. Given education, did yeah. you say? Yeah. We'll yeah, give... but I don't think that should be reflected on, therefore we shouldn't give to poor no, people. No, no, because no. Education no. Isn't, current no. education isn't a great gift. No, no. But, but what, what I am saying is that you can't say that, oh, if everybody just had this, we'd all do great. Well, that's not true. I think you could say that about food. Well, sure. If everyone had enough food to right. eat without going to work, that would be good. Okay. For example. The, the, the right side of it would, would often argue that, well, if everybody just worked harder right. uh, and took responsibility for themselves, then they'd all do better. And that's not true either. Right. Because there are people who have legitimate limitations in life that you have to take, take account for. So that's what I mean. Like that ability to sit in that space in between and say, well, not everybody has the same gifts and abilities. So we can't just pretend that if we just equalized a whole bunch of stuff we'd all still do fine because we wouldn't or can we say that well actually it's all just down to human laziness and if people just worked hard they'd all do better because that's not true either right i know what you mean and so you've got to have a hybrid mm. i think even today we have a hybrid like i heard it explained how like mm. you know if, if i if i'm under a car and you walk past and i say hey andrew pass me the wrench mm. you don't say what will I get? <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah out of, from a from a place of socialism, mm. you say, yeah, this is a shared, oh, right. planet, shared mm. space. Mm. I can do that for you, right? But so, and that's like one, even like saying hello to someone. Mm. Mm. That's a gift. Mm. You can't say, oh, he didn't. You know, it's not a <laughs> transaction. Yeah. So I just think, even now, there's sort of a hybrid, obviously, yeah. and then welfare is an example of socialism. Sure. So, Oh, I mean, I think things like even environmental regulations, for example, are a great example of that. Because if you lift with a pure, pure profit motive, are you always going to look after the environment? Eh, probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Well, that's the thing, like, and that's my only reason why I jump on sort of the left side of things when it comes mm. to economic stuff is because mm. I just feel like we're so far the other side where, um, you know, things are getting quite desperate. Mm. So I feel like, um, yeah, need a bit more sharing. Well, I think we've got to acknowledge that that's, that's the case. I mean, again, the, the argument you tend to get from the right is that, well, the reason these people are struggling is because they're lazy. And you go, eh, maybe. I mean, I guess one of the things that I try and put in place now is to I, I never want to fall into using a single cause for anything. You know, like you tend to get each side says, well, one side says people are poor because everyone's oppressing them. And you go, eh, maybe, but it can't. it's not 100% that. And then the other side says, oh, no, the people are poor because they're all lazy. And you're going, oh, maybe some of them are, but it, it's not all of that. And so being able to look at that and wrestle with the real discomfort of it and say, again, how do you really help somebody? Because if you do just give people stuff that they don't work for, that doesn't help people either. So, oh, I just, yeah, I don't know. But, the, but like, the earth does give us free food, you know, out of the, well, out of yes the ground. It grows no. it. It just... Yeah, well, so that's the nature of the universe. It's giving mentality. It's, you know, we don't pay the earth for what it gives us. As true as that is, if you have somebody who practices agriculture, they'll get a lot more food than somebody who just waits for a tree to grow stuff by itself. Mm -hmm. So that's, sort of, that's, the, that's what I mean. Like you've got that balance of somebody working and the fact that there is an abundance as well. But that's the challenge, man. People just want to live in one camp or the other. Yep. And like you say, it could even go like another level of sort of complexity where you yeah. say, you know, those those huge crops that that guy is producing is probably by Monsanto. And that leaf, <laughs> and those, <laughs> well, that's 90% of the crops or something in America. Right. So, right, right. and those are all one new seeds. They're not, oh, yeah, they're, yeah, not yeah. they're not sustainable at all. Yeah. Trademarked. So, yeah. It's kind of like maybe that tree, I don't know. Uh -huh. Well, 
It's been an hour. It's been an hour. It's been an hour. So uh, for the sake of not being here for the rest of the afternoon, which would be great for us, but difficult to listen to for anybody else. <laughs> um, we've got one more part in this thing that we're going to do. So you've already actually done a little bit of it. So why don't we just, for, for just a very high level discussion. So the last part of this is the, is the past section, right? So what's the, what's the deal behind that one? So you don't want to talk about it next time? No, we will talk about it next okay. time, but just to, so people Sorry. know what's coming up. This is the teaser. So coming up next on the Andrew Curtis Show with uh, Josh and Andrew. What have we got? So the crux is something that I've enjoyed the most of this whole thing. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, and it's, okay. um, it's writing about your past and writing it in a way like you're a writer writing some mm. sort of novel mm. and you break it down into, they say, like six or seven epochs, Ooh. six or seven, you know, like experiences uh-huh. that really define that period, that season uh-huh. of your life. Okay. And you write about it and you talk about the experience you had and how it's... And it's amazing because as soon as I did that, like so many things really? that I saw in the faults, yeah, was like, oh, that's where that started. No <laughs> way. Oh, okay, I'm going to stop you there then because right. I think that's that's really. Oh man, I'm looking forward to that Me already, too. my own self. So that has been us for this week. Um, in regards to the things that we talked about, the self-authoring program is something you can do for yourself. If you go to selfauthoring.com, you can pick it up for, I think, about 29 US dollars. Um, there's promo codes around the place as well. If you want to get 20% off, just look into them. You'll find them. They're not that hard. Um, and then the Understand Myself is a psychometric personality test as well, understandmyself.com, which I would also highly recommend. Look forward to hearing your thoughts too. And you can always send them through to me at the Andrew Curtis Show at gmail.com. Don't call it a comeback.